Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, which means I'm Ken Damsack. And it also means I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episodes. We're going to talk uh, two fun items of news and four, yes, four amazing questions. I'm really selling that hard, even though we take four questions every episode. I don't know what came over to Ken. You sound like you're a, a commercial in the 90s. You get two trading cards and four, just order now. <laughs> And one of them might be gold foil embossed. <laughs> a special hologram baseball card inside. Yes. A uh, lot of a uh, lot of great stuff coming your way. Yeah. Two news stories. There's a lot going on. But we picked uh, two uh, stories. I think you're going to spawn some fun conversations. Your questions. 
All that coming. But before we get there, we want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free travel at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we have our Four Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And of course, Joseph, that's not all. That's right. We have another offer. Insight Editions is a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books, and they are offering 35% off across their website with a special Force Center code. Uh, you can get this code by visiting the website with this link, insighteditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Now, this is a Star Wars podcast, so we recommend Star Wars books. But like we say, there's a ton of other pop culture things. Uh, Ken, I think you've got some Game of Thrones books, right? I do. Great to... 400 plus page photography of Game of Thrones book. It's amazing. Wow. Photography of Game of Thrones. That is amazing. So like if you like engaging with uh, pop culture in different ways, you know, uh, looking at cross sections or cooking your pop culture in any way, (laughs) (laughs) there's so much to explore on Inside Edition. So again, you can get there uh, with the uh, specific link. Our portal is insideditions.com slash discount slash FC. 35 for star wars we are continuing to recommend secrets of the jedi it's one of my favorite star wars books and it's going to be a great companion to the new book coming out soon secrets of the sith so that is our plug for insight editions checking on out and cooking your pop cultures is a book that needs to be written so joseph we can pitch that <laughs> give inside editions and go from there all right just the flavor text and let other people write the recipes so i don't murder anyone or hey uh you know bunch of your favorite frozen pizzas with a pop culture twist i think you could do that too Ooh, yeah th- yeah they'd probably just be like drizzling weird things like carve <laughs> boba fett's face into the pepperoni anyway but you know what screw it i'll write the book yeah the book. later today the book is coming that's awesome uh we always love to catch up to star wars life adventures uh, as life zips on past uh joseph did you get to uh, stop and enjoy star wars or just life this week <laughs> yeah, no, I had a, a, a concrete uh, Star Wars adventure, a, a physical that manifested physically in the world and then a more uh, spiritual, for lack of a better term, Star Wars adventure. Um, uh, I've been I've been having this. Uh, there's this great Kurt Vonnegut quote where he said uh, he has this uh, illness uh, involving uh, late nights, alcohol and telephone calls <laughs> where you talk about uh, he would have a little bit to drink and he'd get, you know, a little nostalgic and he'd call people late at night. I kind of feel that way about action figures in the Internet. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been buying a few too many. Just like just one more. Oh, this popped up and it was pretty cheap. Just one more. Um, so I've got now a pile of boxes uh, that I need to open and I'm trying to kind of spread them out. So this week uh, I opened a action figure I ordered a little while ago, which is a vintage collection figure. And it's not even really just a figure. It's a set. It is the uh, Mandalorian Mm. in his, uh, you know, new silver armor from the second season uh, in the second Mm. half of the first season. Uh, But then it comes with a bunch of accessories, including the Camtono, some Beskar, uh, Grogu, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which, you know, shouldn't actually be like an accessory. That's his <laughs> child, but he's not listed on the package. It's just, this is the Mandalorian, and he comes with a bucket and Grogu. A uh, little little insensitive to Grogu. Uh, but yeah. then there is a sticker that says the child, mm. and then behind the sticker is the uh, the actual Din Djarin without the helmet head that you can pop the helmet head off and pop the Din Djarin head on. Uh, and it's great that there's a sticker over it so that <laughs> just the, the disembodied head of Pedro Pascal is not staring at you. Uh, so, yeah, I I, I uh, opened the box of that one. I didn't actually open the action figure. 
Uh, I did a little TikTok video about it where I said several of the same things that I'm saying right now. Uh, but I just love it, right? Because uh, Mando, the show so comes from a love of action figures as kids. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of us perceived that early on. Now uh, Favreau and Filoni have actually described it that way. So it's great to see it come full circle and in that vintage package. And I've just been looking at that one, have that one on uh, on my coffee table. And I've just been staring at it and it's making me happy. So that was kind of my my physical Star Wars adventure yeah. of the week. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. It's a very good one. It's just a very weird and very awesome set. Just great action figures. Looks amazing. Um, yeah, and then just uh, this was one of those weeks where I just had a moment uh, where uh, it was reinforced that, I think one of my just like core appreciations of Star Wars fairly early in my life that the metaphor of the force and how it works in the light side and the dark can be applied to so many different pursuits in life. Uh, But for me, because of uh, all the creative things I've done, it's always spoken to me as a great analogy of creativity. And I had exactly one of those things this uh, going into this weekend where I have this bit of writing that I want to do um, and, and it's kind of a, an entry into uh, it's going to be judged, uh, you know? <laughs> and so there's all that. Uh, okay. Well, you, you should look and see like, well, what, what are they really looking for? What do they want? All that kind of thing. Um, but then that can lead to the stress and the worry and the tightness and the uh, fear. What if I make that choice? What if I make that choice? What if I, waste the time and it doesn't go the way I want and it just gets tighter and tighter and tighter. Uh, and you know, the weeks can be really busy, really stressful, lots of coming at you. So I went into Friday, like just kind of, yeah, really tight. And then I had like this nice weekend with my wife. We, you know, made some drinks and stood on our cocktail or made some drinks and stood on our cocktail, stood on our balcony with the cocktails, uh, took a nice walk, talked about life, you know, yeah. uh, watched some fun television and just like, it was really like for light and life and just that you could, I could feel the difference in my body of just the opening, the mm. flowing, the letting go of the fear and, and like actively choosing focus determines reality kind of thing of like, I'm doing this for fun. Cause I want to tell this story. It's fun right. to tell this story. And mm. I could feel like the stress and the fear flow out of me. And then suddenly everything was like, oh, yeah, well, here's what the story should be. Bada boom, bada bing, bada boom. It just like came flowing out. It doesn't always work that way. But this particular mm-hmm. instance was just a uh, dark side, fear, anxiety, stress, muscles physically contracting. <laughs> yeah. Light side, open, flowing. The point is fun. The point is to share. And it all flows out. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I imagine you walking around your neighborhood in a Jedi robe while having these conversations <laughs> and realizations uh, with, with your, your beard, your Jedi beard of flowing freely. I, I love this. Uh, you know, I, you and I both love discussing themes. It's a, it's a particular special skill of yours, I would say. And I just love connecting with these themes and really applying them sometimes in odd ways and sometimes in powerful ways to life and to those little moments. And I think that's why we keep coming back to Star Wars. We're, you and I will always enjoy a good Star Wars picture, but I think why we keep keep coming back to Force Center six years in is is when those little moments uh, connect and, and, and you really feel those little sometimes small lessons that are tremendously valuable from Star Wars. That's great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is the 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 part of Star Wars of why it's really lasted, because I think if it really was just aesthetically 
you know, bonkers and beautiful and the action was cool, I think it would be liked, but it wouldn't be loved on this mm-hmm. deep level. I think even if you don't sit down and say like, I'm going to break down the themes, I think they reach you in your soul, you know? And yeah. I think that's, you know, why it's remained so powerful. Yeah. is because it connects to us in those those moments of of life where we're we're trying to get through and find the the best way ahead. Yeah, and often in the simplest ways and when it comes up and uh, slaps you in the face like it did this week and <laughs> you feel it, you really feel it and and yeah, that's uh yeah, being uh, creativity or trying to get anything done in any industry in any world like that. Yeah, it it's it's uh, it's amazing the obstacles that we put front of ourselves yes exactly exactly uh the obstacles are real but you get to choose how you handle them how you approach them so anyway that was uh two adventures for me ken Uh, what do you got well first of all i just can't wait till your project is judged i mean that's just one of the best parts of life Uh, good uh you know what i i I was uh you know we always say because we go into the this news podcast we want to share a little adventures silly stuff and fun stuff but also what you just discussed too just when star wars finds us in our lives and I didn't have it in for this week. It's been kind of a busy weekend, busy week, a lot of things going on as, as all of us, uh, those listening and, and us here talking go through all the time. And so I was literally, I was like, oh, tomorrow on the show, I'm, I'm not going to really have a Star Wars <laughs> adventure. You know, we're, we've been reading The Rising Storm. That's its own fun Star Wars adventure. Uh, it, it's definitely a force center, you know, work assignment, but it's a fun one to have. And there was a moment I was out in the back porch. We got these new great chairs we, we received for our, uh, in celebration of our engagement and, and I just was in the sun on a hot day, but in the sun, swatting away mosquitoes, but reading the rising storm ticket. Now, this is the life. This is good. <laughs> and I'll cherish these moments while I have them. I didn't always have them. Um, but then something did happen. I, I did it again. I was I, I, I was cleaning out my closet of, of shirts and clothes. You know, I'm, I, uh, I love a good uh, printed tee. I love a good logo tee. I, 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 you know, some pop culture tee. I fully embrace that after years literally decades of, of being told I couldn't, you know, so it's something that means to me, but you also, the reality is Joseph, you know, with a, a stack of toys next to you too, or you have to sometimes make cuts or do something with it. And yeah. I can't fit new shirts or let alone new shirts. I can't fit anything into the closet and I need some storage space. So I, I had to make some star Wars t-shirt cuts. I had to go through <laughs> and say, what don't I wear anymore? What it's some still go the, 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 the X wing kind of the, the, um, pre-viz kind of X-Wing shirt I've had. It was a gift from Mod Garrett years ago uh, back in Jedi Alliance. I, that's still one of my favorite ones. So I'm like, that stays. But then this is where I made the tough choices, Joseph. Oh, All oh. of my like Funko Pop related ones, Funko Pop Kylo Ren shirt, all that kind of stuff, gone. Gone. They're going to be a goodwill if you guys want them. Just swung on out to Burbank. <laughs> gone. Gone. Well, that is that is a big choice, but I think a good one, right? It's not, it, it is, uh, you're, you are letting them go in yeah. a very Jedi way and you're sharing them with others. Right. Yeah. Put them out into the galaxy. The force will, will work in mysterious ways and the right people will find them. I just made that decision. I was like, I love a good Funko Pop still. I'm staring at my Funko Vader uh, and our Funker, Funko, Funker and Funkier, a uh, chopper, a uh, chopper with cape. <laughs> yes. It was, uh, 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 Shaler made for us. So I, uh, I just, those kind of shirts don't represent me as a Star Wars fan right now, for whatever reason. They just don't. And so there you go. I'm gifting them back to the galaxy. I get it. I get it. You need to decide. And then sometimes even that can lead to fun adventures uh, that, I, you know, all of my action figures that I bought uh, really mostly power the force. Yeah. Um, I, I went through them all and I sold some. 
in order to be able to go live with uh, my at the time fiance Sarah now wife Sarah to be able to go live with her in London for a few months I needed to make some money he's like this is the only thing I have of value is too many Star Wars action figures <laughs> uh, and then I packed up the rest and I haven't looked in a long time and it's, it's like through this mist of time of like I see power of the force action figures come up it's like that figure is so cool I know I did own it I truly don't know if I own it now or not. I don't remember. And someday I'll get to look in that box and be surprised. There you go. Re-gifted all over again. Reunited. And it feels yes, good. exactly. Exactly. It's a great Star Wars adventure. Letting go of your Funko Pop t-shirts. <laughs> still like Funkos. Got a little couple, couple more display options now in my room. So we'll see. But no more with the shirts. From there, we are going to go to Star Wars news. A lot going on, as always. A little uh, production leaks, production rumors. Uh, a big toy thing. We'll discuss when it's actually a thing that we feel we need to discuss. Uh, mm-hmm. Both of us are looking at you. Uh, but we wanted to go to an interview that came out actually last week. And uh, it spawned some wonderful uh, uh, you know, articles. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of times that the interview comes out, spawns other news articles. But let's go back to the interview, Joseph. Amelia Clark was promoting her upcoming comic book, Mom, M-O-M, Mother of Madness, with The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Amelia Clark touched on the character of Kira because, of course, there's going to be Star Wars questions and there should be Star Wars questions and Game of Thrones questions with Amelia <laughs> Clark. But it was an in-depth interview that really did touch on the comic book uh, that's coming out. So if you're a fan of Amelia, check that out and support that. Uh, but she touched on the character of Kira. So let's go into some of these things, uh, Joseph. Uh, Amelia Clark wrote pages of Kira's life before and after Solo while prepping for the role. She jokes that since uh, she hasn't heard from Disney about more Kira, she should give them the pages. Uh, this is kind of <laughs> at the end of the interview, actually, but it was a fun note. And, and it made that this one seemed to make the more uh, headlines out in the world. So while this is an actor preparing for the role, not unlike I remember Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill going into the last Jedi was like, Oh, I have a backstory. He got married, all those kind of things. doesn't mean they're canon. It's just an actor really digging into a role. What do we think about uh, all of this, uh, the continued and growing interest in Kira and more Kira stories and and Amelia herself finding uh, a lot to tell with this character. Yeah, no, I think this is a, a, such a fascinating, uh, great interview uh, because Amelia Clark is awesome and the character of Kira is awesome. And it, there is this great synergy where, of course, the character can appear lots of different uh, places, lots of different ways. Uh, but there's this, uh, I think, extra drive to see Amelia Clark play her again on screen or, or even in, in voice, you know. Um, and I think what I was really affected by, and to answer your question about, you know, why people are, are excited, why is the growing interest there, that... Um, Amelia Clark is obviously beloved because of Game of Thrones, uh, but I also just think that she is one of those actors who's a great actor, but is also multifaceted, which just makes, I think, uh, makes me more engaged in what's going to happen next with this cool person's career. You know, it's awesome that she wrote this comic. The comic sounds great. Um, I, I like her other performances. There's that uh, rom-com movie, Last Christmas, that's probably not going to be for everybody, but I thought Amelia Clark was great in it. She's extremely funny, mm-hmm. and I think there are hints of that in her performance as Kira, as the script allows. Um, I, I don't think that, uh, uh, besides some some great gifts, that uh, The Mother of Dragons was supposed to be hilarious, but <laughs> no, it's great to know that this this uh, actor has this, these great comedy chops as well. Um, yeah. So I think for me, on the Amelia Clark side of it, there's just interest in what all this actor can bring and that they're the kind of actor who says, I really do want to take it upon myself to really figure out this character. I really care. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Big fan. I, I almost said obviously, you know, because my, my love of, of Game of Thrones and, and and you enjoy the show as well. But it's like beyond that, it's like you you get to hear more of her stories. Uh, you know, I, I don't know this person. I'm not going to wait outside her uh, um, house and ask for a hug like that Justin Bieber fan that's been going around on the internet. Uh, but I really just appreciate what she does. And, and this is someone whose big break comes, and then uh, right after that, she almost dies. Uh, with the brain hemorrhage issue and and, and goes through this uh, brain trauma recovery, which is also why she has that uh, charity organization, Same uh, You. So she, I think she just this perspective and outlook on the world and and looking at digging into these characters and and finding the way to play them and and I I love to hear the stuff about Kira. It's not again not abnormal for an actor to do this with a character, but I'm not. I'm gonna make it clear. I'm not calling any other Star Wars actor's name name out uh, here anyway. But often we're here. Where we hear, uh, you know, I've done Star Wars, and and I would say a lot of the Boyega, Oscar Isaac, they've done their part and they've done what they need to do with the character, and if they want to move on in any way, shape, or form, I'm completely fine with that. But after hearing a lot of that, sometimes, and we've heard that even back in the day. I mean, you, Harrison Ford never seemed to really love Star Wars until <laughs> this last decade. Um, to hear hear her be like, oh no, I love the character, and I do think there's more there, and and I, in fact, I've, I have stories, of things just exploding out of my soul about this character. I I just took, I like that, and if I I don't want to say, you know, I'm not Bob Iger. Well, he's less power these days, huh? Uh, I'm not any of the <laughs> Bobs sitting up there in a high tower looking down, going, uh, what should I you telling them what to do with the Disney Plus? But if you got you know you got her, you got the interest. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if that sparked something further if it's not actually there. Yeah, no, I I think there's a very good possibility of that. And I, I love what you're saying about actors, right? Because um, like Daisy Ridley, I think one of the things that sometimes gets lost in the headlines whenever she gives an interview uh, is that she has pretty consistently said, one of the reasons I'm not chomping at the bit to play Ray again is because I really, as an actor, examined her journey and I feel like I told her story. This part of her story is complete. It doesn't mean that she couldn't have another story sometime but there was a beginning a middle and an end for ray's journey in those three films and so it's interesting to me that Amelia clark is kind of saying the opposite which mm-hmm. is kira served the role that she needed to and was designed to in the the story of solo colon a star wars story but there is so much more going on with kira that i'm i'm anxious to to uh complete that story or tell more of that story which i think really gets into the why are people really engaged by this character, right? Like, yeah. I think Amelia Clark did her work and she dug in and, and Kira has levels of depth and nuance uh, uh, because of the writing and the directing, but also because of Amelia Clark's uh, performance. And I think that is what is so fascinating about this character of Kira. There's the literal kind of cliffhanger with uh, Maul, mm-hmm. but she's just the character of Kira is an archetype that's been kind of nibbled around the edges in star Wars, but has never been fully brought into star Wars, which is um, the archetype of a noir femme fatale, but it is not cheap. It is not surface level. It is full of depth and motivations. It's a person who has this great desire to be uh, resilient and free combined with the sort of earned harsh realistic view that everybody serves somebody that's just like that's that's a, a person who hasn't finished their journey right of like 100 what i want to be is not under anybody's boot but my worldview is everybody is always under somebody's boot somehow sometime how can i figure my way out of that just logistically but also emotionally it leaves it so much um so much story to tell yeah yeah uh, and, and there's something just 
speaking on like we, we this growing interest uh, we we say that because you know, the make solo 2 stuff has, has been around for for a bit and a lot of people love the movie but this is a movie that was pretty maligned you know uh, a lot of snark t- thrown at the movie if, if we're being honest uh and i got friends who still haven't really watched it and then i have friends who are like oh i watched that god that was great why didn't i watch that before and i would some of that i i look at uh, the character of kira specifically and and how the character was maybe viewed uh, or criticized or, or the, you know, at the time of the movie, which may have been more to do with the director hoopla and everything. And and there's something in the article where, where uh, Emily Clark was just talking specific, specifically about the Kira and some of the choices she made. Uh, she says uh, she had to go into that situation with, with her own agenda and her own plan. And the audience then kind of catches up after the fact. I, I correct me if I'm wrong, Joseph, but you, you kind of touched on a little bit, but it's just, I think a lot of people are catching up to that depth in Kira that maybe wasn't immediately accessible for them upon first or second viewing back in 2018. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that there solo is such an interesting movie because it is structured to tell Han's story. And so other characters do serve Han's story. It's that's, that's what kind of makes it different (laughs) as a, as a star Wars film, because it's literally called solo. It's about solo. And then I think watching it through just that filter, um, there's maybe nuances that, that some of us uh, missed the first time around, but have only grown. And I think it's what makes it uh, so drawn to the, the world of solo, right? Is because all of these utterly compelling characters, we got to meet a little bit, particularly Enfys Nest and Kira. You know, and, and it, it makes us just want to see more and understand more. Yeah. Speaking of understanding more about Kira, uh, one of uh, Amelia's own insights into Kira was this. She said, uh, but I think it, it's only when she sees Han that she realizes that there is a way out. Uh, that's what I was playing, Amelia the actor. Uh, that's definitely where I was at. I don't think she felt herself to be strong at that point to go on and escapes uh, Dryden's grip. Uh, I'm pulling that out of a bigger question and a bit of a bigger interview. So feel free to, to dump some of that back into the uh, conversation <laughs> Sue Joseph, but I, how does that work for us uh, or, or you specifically? And, and, and does it resonate at all uh, with her providing that kind of actory insight into what she was playing? Yeah, I think that's absolutely great. And I think she was saying that uh, partially in response to the, uh, the interviewers uh, theory that maybe Kira is the one who slipped the initial information about the coaxium, uh, being moved to Enfys Nest. And I think that's what she was referring to as saying, I don't think before she encountered Han that Kira was necessarily plotting to get out from under Dryden's grip. But then once she reconnects with Han and sees the possibilities, uh, and if I'm interpreting all that uh, correctly, mm. uh, I love it. Um, yeah. I love, because I think it is, it's the essence of the fact that she feels like um, that she does have power and she can move and make choices uh, within a certain way, uh, but there's still limits within that uh, at, at this moment. And I love the idea that she thinks like, well, I made it up to this station where I've got more power uh, than I initially did during these you know, three awful years. Uh, but then she sees Han, and I love the way she talks about Han as as kind of a hopeful inspiration, but also like, a naive fantasy right when mm-hmm. like when he's leaving uh the the first uh light and she says uh smile Th- that's that's what i was going to say earlier when i think of you i always smile off on a ship having adventures and it really is like this that is really hopeful that is so beautiful mm-hmm. you do not yet realize that's 
utter childish fantasy. But go, you do you, Han. But you can see how that would also inspire her to say what she says to him in the elevator before they actually uh, face off with with Dryden in the climax that Han says we're going to win. And she's like, it's not that kind of battle. It's just about staying in it as long as you can. So you can see that she's like, well, I'm not going to (laughs) overthrow Crimson Dawn real quick. But I could maybe move up the ladder, um, you know, that so that there is that sense of uh, I can change my uh, situation up to a point. Yeah, and, there, and there's uh, the interview even touches upon you know this great tragedy of of fighting to get rid of Dryden only to be under Maul's type of thing, which is kind of you know on the surface of things. But yeah, I love that we love that elevator scene here, just kind of collectively at, at Force Center, and some of the core stuff is there. And I, I love what you're saying here about the. It isn't, uh, oh, Han's here. Great. Let's, let's grab each other's hand and fall in love all over again and get out of here. But that there is some inspiration uh, taken from it for her and for her in the story at the, at the moment. And, and that, yeah, that really works for me. And it's sometimes, you know, it's sometimes dangerous to, to get the, uh, well, I was playing this in this moment. Or I, as the director and writer, this is what I meant. And we want to be able to take what we can. But I really think that jumps out. I really think it was smartly played. And it even makes more sense for the character char- character for me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And I think that she has this, there's also like, uh, just kind of like a tenderness in the way she tells Han mm. that, you know, uh, go, go find Chewie, you know, you two are going to need each other. So it really is like you plucky fool, best of luck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to turn around, I'm going to keep you safe from Maul for now. And I'm going to turn around and, and deal with the reality of this world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The reality of the Solo is a lot about the reality of the world at the time, huh, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It really is. Uh, final thing. So, yeah, while rebutting the idea that uh, Maul's threats were the reasons for leaving Han on his own, Clark said that this was a decision Kira made long before, saying she had to go into that situation with her own agenda, with her own plan. And then, as I said before, then the audience uh, that uh, the audience catches up with after the fact. Uh, yeah, so let's look a little more uh, deeply here. The, uh, Kira and her desire for survival while serving uh why do you think that works well for this character why does it work for you yeah because i i think it it is about her taking a step up the ladder but still not throwing out the philosophy that she tells han that everybody serves somebody Mm -hmm. um the thing one of my favorite moments in that in that elevator scene is when han kind of pushes back on this this youthful uh, optimism of like, I'm not afraid of anybody. Uh, you and I can just kind of kick Crimson Dawn's ass, kick Dryden Voss's ass, and then we can uh, run away together. And I think for me, it is Kira is aware of Maul and aware of his power in a way that Han isn't. Like, it's not that easy to get away from Maul. And, you know, in the elevator scene, Han pushes back and says, You don't know everything. And Kira says, No, just a bit more than you. Yeah. And I've always interpreted that of like, it's not just shooting a gangster like Dryden. It is escaping Maul. It is escaping the machinery of the way this world, this galaxy is uh, built. Um, but I do really like that, w- w- that there's this this combination of how am I going to get past uh, uh, this big boss of Maul eventually? But right now in that elevator, Kira's pretty confident, like, I can get past Dryden. Yeah. <laughs> I will take that opportunity to level up. And, you know, there's I think there's definitely fear and and an awareness of what the challenge before her is when she's confronting Maul and he's threatening her. But I don't think it's a surprise. I think it really is. I'm going to level up and and I'm 
that Kira herself seems like I, I'm going to keep Han out of it with Maul. But now I've leveled up. I'm at the top of this food chain right behind or maybe now beside mm. this terrifying guy. And for me, there's this, almost this moment of uh, a weird kind of hope of like, uh, if she believes that everybody serves somebody, is there hope that she can get to the point where the this is still true, but people are serving her? You know, can she overthrow Maul? And I think there's a reason that our mind goes to that question, other than just like cool fight of mm. she's showing the willingness, the 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 fight to move up one step up the ladder by getting rid of Dryden. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of this film, she's like, well, Maul is definitely the next challenge, but. Am I up for it? Can I do it? What's next? Uh, and, and and this is not to get, break it even down, you know, even you know, to a micro level. They're they're taking an elevator up, and this idea of Kira's having this thought of and not necessarily get out because she doesn't feel she can, but like you just said, get up. How far can I keep going up? And I was, and, and do I find freedom in that? And can I find freedom in that? Uh, and also going back to even most wanted, Ray Carson pride inside of of, of Kira kind of liking a bit of this world, not necessarily the underworld, but just. Uh, she got the the outfit that she liked and kind of uh, rising above her station and working hard to do it, but feeling she you know can't get out. I think that that some of that stuff is there. Yeah, no, I mean, I think a you know a person with a rough childhood who lived literally in a sewer full of filth, yep. <laughs> saying at least in this world of utter horror, uh, the more power you get, the more sort of nice things you can have and it isn't nice things in vanity right i think that's what's so great about the character of kira in the film and ray carson pulls it out so beautifully of like if i'm trapped in a world of horror i want to feel as much comfort and as much independence as possible within this world of horror and that's the big question that's lingering of like how can she get to a place of total freedom total freedom and uh maybe the character will or has based on uh uh, comic books and, and recent events we'll discuss down the line there uh this is a great interview uh, check it out uh, final akira thoughts uh at least for this week joseph until the show is announced yes i i am grateful for any and all uh more akira storytelling if it's on the uh page comics books uh, etc uh yes uh big asterisk there um and then but I'd be specifically excited to see her on the screen in some way because I think uh, Amelia Clark is a part of what really gives this character power. Also, more action figures, please. Okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> even now and, and hopefully down the line. So, yeah, great stuff there. Check it out on The Hollywood Reporter if you haven't already. And uh, don't forget to pick up uh, her, her her comic book coming out, Mom, M-O-M, Mother of Madness. Support uh, Amelia Clark and uh, the creators behind that project. Other story of the week here, sticking with The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, this is, uh, I, I said long rumor because I've heard this name attached to this before, but maybe that was a dream, Joseph. I don't know <laughs> at this point. Uh, Boris Kitt, who is a uh, reporter's reporter. He always got uh, exclusives and uh, they're, uh, they're to be trusted. So we're counting this one as real. Boris Kitt reports that Matthew Robinson is writing Rogue Squadron right now. And Patty Jenkins, of course, will direct that soon. Uh, here's some uh, stats and figures on Robinson. He co-wrote and co-directed 2009's Invention of uh, Line with Ricky Gervais. Uh, he's also written the Door Explorer movie, the upcoming Little Shop of Horrors uh, movie reboot. Everyone look at that. Uh, and uh, Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat, the much-anticipated Edge of Tomorrow sequel, among other things. Let's uh, dig into that resume first, Joseph, as we uh, talk about this possible choice. Yeah, I think another recent uh, credit was a Love and Monsters uh, film. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that that resume is fascinating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, what I go to is, you know, I'm familiar with uh, some of these movies, but not super well. Uh, I'm, I'm aware of Dora the Explorer. Uh, <laughs> I have not personally seen that film. Uh, I love The Edge of Tomorrow, so I'm really intrigued by uh, the sequel. I, I think the main thing for me, just looking at a career that has a lot of variety, is that the idea that, what a lot of what is popping up in his uh his resume is uh action uh that but also things that have a sense of heart and comedy yeah. is is long uh, along with the depth mm-hmm. so a movie like rogue squadron which could be really uh explosive literally right yeah, <laughs> yeah. it could be uh just like this is a uh, a thrill ride uh, I'm happy to see a screenwriter who has an understanding of comedy along with action, heart along with action, uh, depth along with action. If the live, die, repeat and repeat, the sequel is similar to Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow is a, I think, a very intelligent and a really very funny action movie while still being a just absolute thrill ride action movie. It's very funny. So that is maybe the credit that makes me feel like, ooh, yeah, a little bit of that energy, even though he didn't write the original Edge of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But if people think he's he's the person to write the sequel, that gets me excited for Rogue Squadron. Uh, action with a sense of of comedy and heart. Great breakdown of the credits. This is why we do look at it. And sometimes, yeah, you you can point to a straight, almost a straight line to they've done this and this and that, and that translates uh, you know, this way, and, you know, the, the script is often just the, the first process in a, in a longer process. Ask uh, Michael Arndt about episode seven. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, this one seems uh, seems to work. And, and I really love what you're saying about the comedy stuff, um, the heart character. You and I talk often here about the comedy from character. And, and, and you, if, if you really pull off a comedy that isn't a slapsticky, uh, punerific parody, uh, if you're pulling off comedy of any kind, there's usually character uh, and heart weaved all the way through it. I, I, I think that's often what works because comedy is uh, is often a, a, a look at the world, a communication of thoughts uh, uh, in a funny way, all those good things. Uh, uh, but um, I, yeah, so that's kind of what I would want at a rogue a rogue squadron. Oops, sorry. <laughs> you know, because uh, what do we we don't want to you know, just aggro pedal to the, you know, floor kind of spaceship fight them up. That's not star Wars. And, and I, and that's not what we would expect from that. Right? No, no. I want to, I, I want to fall in love with these pilots, uh, because of comedy and heart, uh, and, and a, you know, a good sense of, of depth that they have these big full lives. And then I just want to spend the rest of the film, just bleeping terrified <laughs> because a character that I got to know is zipping around in an incredibly dangerous uh, dogfight in space. Yeah. Like that's, I think going to be the power of rogue squadron. If you could take, um, I, I know the sequel trilogy has, has gone through the absolute emotional ringer, but in general, when the force awakens first came out, people really liked Ray Finn and Poe, right? Like there was in in, uh, in excitement uh, again, everything is subjective, and there are people who didn't like Force Awakens, but there was a real like, we like them, and we want to know more about them. I want to feel like that in the first act, and then spend the rest of the film terrified of like, what if Finn blows up? Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, mm, yeah, and then walk out of the theater and go more, more, more. Give us more. Give us a trilogy. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, so uh, again, uh, official uh, comments from Disney Lucasfilm are silence, uh, but that's uh, uh, doesn't mean doesn't mean this is not true because the Hollywood Reporter, Boris Kid, uh, they are legitimate. So uh, we try to avoid rumors, but this one seems pretty darn solid. We'll update you on any information that comes our way. Well, Joseph, that's it. That's a look at the Star Wars news. Uh, we are going to get to your questions shortly, but before we do, we got an audiobook we'd like to recommend for you. What we got this week? That is right. We are recommending The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott. Ken read it while fighting mosquitoes bravely. It is a it is a hell of a ride. We're going to be discussing it on our uh, deep dive episode this coming Thursday. It is out uh, the same day as this podcast. So if you want to get all caught up on the High Republic and go on an absolute thrill ride, check out The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott. To download The Rising Storm or any other book uh, on us free, uh, go to audibletrial.com slash force Again, download your free audiobook at the uh, this this the slash force Of all the time, every day I read this. Every day I read this. Again, it's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audio book. I apparently need a break. We're going to reset and come back with your questions here on Force Center. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 all right we are back i have got the marbles out of my mouth and we're gonna keep rolling here joseph on four center the big show the main show the superstar destroyer of our fleet what are our questions today uh, well, we'll see if you have magically through the force transferred the marbles into my mouth. It'll be a fun challenge. Uh, we have four questions as always, as I was very excited about at the top of the podcast. Two from Twitter and two from patrons on Patreon. We go first to Twitter and a thought question from Anthony. Anthony says, hello, Force Center. Having watched the Justice is Grey edition of Zack Snyder's Justice League many times now, I was curious, if you could watch an all-black-and-white Star Wars film, what would it be? For me, it would be The Last Jedi. May the Force be with you. That is a, it's a great question. It's really fun uh, and interesting question, Ken, because Star Wars is very, very colorful. Um, I, I believe that uh, Zack Snyder, this is not just somebody like, <laughs> was like, hey, what if we took a color out? Like, Zack Snyder made The Justice is Grey uh, edition, is my understanding. So it was real, a real creative choice. Mm. Um to to make it and, and oversee it uh what are your thoughts on this i this is a great question i i would almost answer the last jedi as well anthony and one of the reasons might be because they have uh, they have that score only version of last jedi that's out there which i, I have watched and and it works and it's uh, that is in line with what george lucas always said hey, these are silent movies <laughs> just turn the dialogue <laughs> off just maybe just the music's all you need uh and, and, it, and it works so that almost is my answer but i i, I gotta tell you you're right. Star Wars, it's colorful because Rise of Skywalker would not be my answer. I Because I love the bold, bright, vibrant colors that pop up in Rise of Skywalker. And I I, you know, I think you could still get the point across with, with black and white. But th- that lightsaber fight I love with Ray and, and, and uh, Kylo where he cuts open the, the vat of berries and they spill on the white floor. I, I, I love that look. So that's definitely not my answer. I think, though, I'm going to go re- with Revenge of the Sith. Mm. Dark tones, shades of gray, uh, attachments, evils, uh, power. I think I think it might work. Yeah, no, that would be fascinating. I'd love that. Um, I think I'm going prequel as well. I think I'd go with Attack of the Clones. Ooh, yeah. uh, and I think that's because, for me, they're the most sort of direct um, noir influences. So it would be fun to see 
Obi-Wan's uh, detective journey and going to the uh, the seedy nightclub in actual black and white, the way some of those influences were. And I think even for me, there's a little bit of with the uh, the Petronaki arena and the big monster fight, um, deep memories of watching old movies that may or may not have been in black and white mm. on a black and white television on Saturday afternoon <laughs> yeah. that I think some of the, the influences, some of the genre influences that Lucas is just pulling from and all the creators and designers in attack the clones uh, in really wearing them on the sleeve and attack the clones in particular, I think might kind of stir some like deep memories and even, even make those connections feel more blatant. If I watched it in black and white, that's a great answer because you're so detective clones is, is noir and right. I mean, detective Kenobi on the case, but even just the opening, uh, opening uh, sequence in, in Padme ship land. And I mean, you might as well put the Metro golden mare, you know, <laughs> roaring lion and, uh, you know, miracle on 34th street oh, flying in over New York type of thing. It, it, it that, that would really work. And then could you imagine the Dexter diner sequence in a black and white, like it's a detective picture. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. And I almost see, yeah, you could picture like uh, some Star Wars version of the uh, old RKO with, yeah. with the tower and the little lightning sparks. Like yes. that's so Star Wars and so yeah. of the, the era that is Star Wars is visually pulling from, from a lot. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh. Excellent. Well, Zack Snyder, get on that. Make us black and white attack of the clones, Revenge of the Sith. And while you're at it, do Phantom Menace too. Yeah, someone start a hashtag. Just all prequels to black and white. Yeah, yeah. Great question, Anthony. And I'm so glad uh, that you got to enjoy the Justice is Gray edition. Uh, moving on to a question of from Jay from Nowhere. Jay says, I long for pod racing to finally be the focus of one episode of one television show. Which show would you work that into and how? Uh, Ken, you have talked a lot about wanting a documentary about yeah. the actual sport of pod racing. But this is kind of a different question of if one of our great Disney Plus shows encounter pod racing, uh, how? How does that happen? Which show? I, this, uh, I mean, God, you almost couldn't go wrong with, with several answers, right? Mandalorian just seems to, seems like that would work. If Favreau, Favreau loved the prequels more, this I think would have already happened. They would have found oh, a way. Yeah. Whether or not podcast, pod, pod, I always say podcast, pod racing mm. and podcasting <laughs> were outlawed in the galaxy. Uh, I'm not worried about that. We know Filoni loves the prequels, so maybe he's working on it. Book of Boba Fett kind of, Kind of works for me too. It's the underworld thing. Going back in time with the acolyte, maybe it's a robust, full pod uh, racing world. But I got to tell you, this upcoming Lando series that we know nothing about. Wow. Lando at some point in time, young Lando betting on pod racing. Maybe he's got a pod racing team. Uh, maybe he's trying to fix a pod race. I don't know. It just seems like him and, and, and a sport that you can bet on and, and the underworld's involved. I, I'm not saying he needs to be up there in a, in a box like a weasel and Watto, but uh, I could see it working. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a really good answer. I like that a ton. Um, my mind went to Mandalorian, I think partially because it is, you know, the show that we have actually seen. Uh, but it's also, it, it has been so gratifying, a lot of it, but the second season in particular, for me, of doing this tip of the iceberg uh, storytelling of like, well, you've always wondered a little bit more about the Jawas. You've always wondered a little bit more about Tusken Raiders. You've always wondered a little bit more about, you know, all of these different kind of uh, the the Krayat Dragon, you know, lots of elements of uh, original trilogy mood and flavor. Not that there aren't, you know, prequel things in there. It's blended well with, you know, a lot of good pit droid comedy. Um, but I think that's kind of what 
the way I interpret Jay's question of like hungering for that, we got to see them once, but could we see more, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I love your reminder that the, the Republic has outlawed them for being too dangerous, right. <laughs> but that doesn't seem like it's going to stop uh, anyone on the old outer rim there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would love it. We, we have no idea what season three of Mandalorian is, is going to be like. I, I think it's a possibility. It's just a very, very different show uh, because it's Mandalorian on, a, on an unwanted mission now to <laughs> yeah. rescue Mandalore. But given the way the Mandalorian show has been in the past, I would love it if, if, uh, if Din went to a different planet than Tatooine so we could see them in a different context. You know, yeah. maybe it's Malastare where they, we know that they've always had uh, also had podcasts in the past. Podcasts, Jesus. Uh, pod raises. Sorry, hey, tell me. <laughs> I do it every time too. Now this is podcasting. Uh, you say something, you do something five times a week. It's gonna yes. slip. Um, anyway, I'd love to see him on Malastare, and I'd love to see that classic Mandalorian formula of he's going to Malastare for something else, and <laughs> some Mal- uh, Malastare and some Gran is like, "Sorry, I need you to win this pod race first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to give you the thing you want. I'd I'd love that. Uh, other idea that's a little less uh you know, uh, assertive, a little less direct is, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing it in, in Andor. Um, I think Andor is going mm-hmm. to be probably a little bit of a, a grittier world, a little bit more of the, the rogue one version of the star Wars galaxy. That's a little bit grittier. Mm-hmm. So I would love it if Andor had a clandestine meeting at a dangerous pod race. And for me, it'd be a great way to kind of blend some of the different moods of star Wars. You know, if, if Andor has to meet somebody in the stands who might try to stab him in the ribs all while watching a pod race. This is a great way to get Ben Quadraneros back in. Like, you know, he's a retired he, oh, pod racer, but he owns a pod racing team. Oh, yeah, man. I would love Gritty and or to meet Ben Quadraneros. Talk <laughs> about just two great tastes that could go great together. Oh, uh, be wonderful. <laughs> great question, Jay. Uh, any other pod racing uh, thoughts, Ken? No, but I, I'm with you, Jay, on that. I love this idea. Okay, we are going to practice saying uh, pod race and not podcast, uh, and then we'll get back to questions. Anyway, we're going to do questions now. Here's some questions from our patrons on Patreon. This comes from Andrew McNabb. Andrew says, hello there, Ken. Congratulations on the engagement. Joseph, congratulations on the hair. Both wonderful achievements. Ken, I think your, uh, <laughs> your achievement of getting engaged to your partner for life is more important than me doing nothing to my hair and watching it grow for a year and a half. Uh, but thank you, Andrew, uh, for including, including me in the list of accomplishments. I mean, I'm going to say yes, of course, but uh, you know, it's a close one. It's a close one. That, <laughs> that depends on how you define the word close, but I'll let it go. I'll let it go. Uh, Andrew continues on that note, how inspirational or not, do you think Bodhi Rook's defection and subsequent sacrifice was to the empire's nine to fibers? working in places like the Death Star Canteen. Do you think word of what he did got out and could have led to a number of other defectors or informants working for the rebellion within the Empire? Or do you think the strength of the Empire's propaganda would have snuffed out the stories and sparks of rebellion? Uh, as a follow-up, if you worked for the Empire in a minimum wage type role, what would it be and what would you do if you heard the stories of the heroic traitor, <laughs> heroic slash traitor, depending on your point of view, Bodhi Rook? Thank you, and congratulations once again. Thank you, Andrew, uh, for the kind words and the great questions. So, Ken, uh, first, uh, let's tackle the first one. Do you think that Bodhi Rook's uh, triumphant defection uh, was heard about within the Empire, or was it squashed? 
Uh, yeah, Manstick would say it was squash. This, this kind of becomes a propaganda war indeed. I think uh, the rebellion and looking to recruit, I mean, this is like, these are like leaflets you need to drop on the ground, I guess. Like, here is Bodie Rook. Here's what he did and here's what he used to be. And, and uh, hopefully that can be inspiration. I, I We just talked about it with the, with the Kira stuff, right? Of just like she sees Han and suddenly, oh, it, yeah, Han, okay, now I can maybe do maybe what I feel I need to do and you know, it's a general way of looking at it, but but I th- I think it could work. But but yes, I mean, the Empire squashed the the Jedi, turned them into legends pretty fast. Mm-hmm. So uh, little old Bodie Rook and his uh, sacrifice that helped change the galaxy, they're absolutely uh, going to want to put that out now. The Empire might be a little preoccupied right now at this point in Star Wars timeline, but you know they've got someone for that. They've got someone in the organization. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that uh, the Empire probably is is pretty successful with its propaganda in the big picture. But I, what I like about this uh, era of the Star Wars story, it, one of the many things, because there's a lot to like around this time, yeah. uh, is that idea that, you know, Leia says to Tarkin, you know, the tighter you squeeze your fist, the more it's going to slip through your fingers. And I think we're kind of already seeing that in Rebels with scene. Uh, defections from the Empire it, it, and even Biggs in the original film and that idea that look you can't control everything Palpatine is trying to control everything and he I think he control a lot of it but I think there would be whispered rumors about this Bodhi Rook guy mm. and I think that would be enough like I, I like the idea that yeah it's it's not going to change the course of the big picture but how many you know one person hears about Bodhi Rook then one her- person hears about Biggs. Then another person, that same person maybe hears about Wedge, right? And it's kind of rumors and half-truths, but it, it spurs the imagination. And suddenly it feels like, you know, the Empire, this monolith, is not uh, uh, totally undefeatable. That, it, right. it, you know, the, uh, the rebellion, I think, succeeds by showing the galaxy, look, the Empire can bleed. And making people go, okay, I'm I'm in for that. Uh, so I think I like the idea that big picture squashed uh, pretty effectively, but those little rumors are the uh, the the drops in the bucket that the rebellion needs to win. Yeah, yeah, I oh, love that idea. It'd be and it'd be and I, you know in future Star Wars storytelling, if we go into this era again, I don't know how much we are other than what we already know from some of these shows, exploring that even a little bit more, even specifically exploring it with Bodhi Rook would be great. Yeah. And I mean, I think that would be a great, you know, story to continue to tell too, because the Leia, you know, in Mon Mothma certainly understand the power of, you know, not even propaganda, the power of, of telling truth. And it's been great to see in comics, like how much, a Jin's a path and sacrifice is known and revered. So I can really see a, a fun story of, uh, yeah, we're going to insert a rebel spy into the lower ranks of the, the empire. And their job is to whisper about Bodhi Rook because mm. his story is specifically inspiring. He's somebody that the empire wants you to think is an absolute no one with no consequence, but look yeah. what he did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So to the second part of Andrew's question, uh, if you were a nine to fiver in the horrific machinery of the Empire, Ken, <laughs> what would you do? Man, as I've always joked, like I, I, I want to open up a uh, you know robe making business if I was in the prequel era. I, you know, I could be a janitor. I could be maybe working, uh, you know, the, the laundry uh, side of things. But realistically, like 
you know, me and microphones go back to when I was three. I'd probably, and there was a point of like, ah, do I, you know, do I join the military and become Robin Williams and Good Morning Vietnam? That was on my head back in the day. I'd probably be something like that, which then would worry me, Joseph, because then my job would be like, hi, good morning, Empire. There's no Bodhi Rook. What are you talking about? That's just a rumor. Here's a song. <laughs> You'd be worried about it, you know, and then what would I do is the question. Oh, that is a very good answer and a very disturbing one. Uh, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it. this is one of those questions that's been, you know, talked about. The, what about the janitors on the Death Star? And, mm-hmm. you know, even Andrew saying, you know, the, the places that worked in Death Star Canteen. It's one of the powers of Bodhi Rook that he's a character who's like, yeah, yeah, no, he's a pilot. He's, you know, he's the uh, the assigned Uber Lyft driver, you know, like it's, it's real. Um, but it's still, you know, so it's fun and funny and intriguing, but it's also <laughs> horrible to think about. Um, you know, I, I think I'm just going to attach this to an actual job I had. Um, I had a temp job for a little while. I think I've mentioned this before, shrink wrapping knives. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was basically like um, it's a big wooden block of knives. So the job was to pick up the knives that go in the block, pull the paper sheath off the knives, shove the knives into the wooden block. And then this large wooden block with loose knives uh, being pushed through a shrink wrapping machine. <laughs> It was uh, terrifying and didn't pay well. Uh, so I think I would end up with a job like that. I think I would be on like uh, the Empire's line of just very, very minimal quality assurance for blasters. I think I would be charged with like a hey, firearm wants to make sure they don't blow up and a bunch of them would because they're <laughs> cheaply made in mass. Uh, that's wow. I, yeah, I think we need a know more about that knife job that's uh you mentioned but that, that's a frightening vision <laughs> it was a terrifying terrifying time uh but that, i think i'd end up doing blaster quality yeah 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 and as far as you know, again what would you do it's like if it hits you and it moves you and, and you know there's different ways to do it and, and we this is why i love the questions just the existence of saw Guerrero brings up on the rebellion side of of when to use a hammer when to use a feather and what all the choices in between and if you're in the empire and you are inspired and you know that maybe just screaming about it might get you killed, removed and out of the thing, like what, how do you do it? How do you get your message across? And, and that would be something to ask. And, but hopefully I, I'm, I'm trusting myself, Joseph, that I would be inspired by Bodhi Rook if I was on the Death Star. You know, I think I would too, because Bodhi Rook isn't like, I got five blasters and I took out half this, blah, blah. He just like, I quietly left with some information. <laughs> There's a little bit of like a uh, realism to that. Like I, I could maybe quietly leave with some information. Yeah. And make things right. And make things right. Great question. Andrew took us to some dark places and some fun places. We're going to move on to our final question here from Ronan Soe. Ronan says, I have had one question that has been living rent-free in my mind every single day since the moment Rebels ended. And that question is, do you think Ahsoka and Luke ever met? Do you think we'll ever see it or read it in a novel? And how do you think that conversation went? Ahsoka has so much to tell Luke about Anakin, and I get the impression from her appearance in Mando that she still doesn't know that Anakin turned back to the light in the end. So her learning that from Luke and him learning about Anakin from her is, to me, a conversation that could fill a whole novel. Love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, You're my absolute favorite Star Wars podcast, and I'm extremely grateful for everything you do. Those are very kind words. Thank you very much, Ronan. Um, yeah, so this is something, uh, every once in a while we get a question about something that we've, uh, we've touched on before, but it is a opportunity to, uh, revisit with, uh, fresh eyes and fresh hearts. This is something that I've been really excited for. Uh, I think I'm, I'm really moved by it because of exactly what Ronan is describing. It is a practical conversation, 
but it is also this kind of beautiful mythic healing conversation in that they kind of have like the two halves of a locket, right? Yeah. That they could both give one another what they need. And and we've ended up talking about uh, a lot about campfire conversations. I think we got another uh, conversation coming up. It's how a little bit of how our our fantasy and uh, uh, fantasizing about different campfire discussions came about of this idea of just the two of them uh, across a campfire, mm-hmm. uh, this peaceful moment of of truly giving one another what they need. Um, how are you feeling about it right now, Ken? Are you still excited for it? Uh, are you still thinking it might happen someday? What are your thoughts? Yeah, you're right. I love revisiting questions again because often my answer changes with the perspective of time because going back to the end of Rebels, uh, when the idea that maybe Ahsoka survives in some way, right, as as we see, and and now we do know with Mando, she's out there. I had a little bit of like, I hope she she doesn't run into Luke. Better not run into Luke. Uh, Messes up my, my, my cannon. Messes up the cannon, <laughs> and those are valuable. You know, we we value that as Star Wars fans. I, I totally get it. But now it's changed because of the reasons you you're, you've mentioned, what Ronan has mentioned, and why we're excited about it. And I would not want it to necessarily need to factor in if it's a book, if it's Disney Plus camp, campfire conversations <laughs> in character. Uh, just get it, get Mark Hamill and Rosario Dawson do it live action, do it animated with uh, Ashley Eckstein and, and Mark Hamill. Do I don't care. Do it some way or do it in a book. Um, and I would want. I, I don't. I'm, nothing against comics. I would want it to have some depth to it. And, and comics can absolutely provide depth, but by design, they're a little more visual, a little more quicker. And 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 you know, you'd have to maybe go to a bigger, deeper graphic novel style if you would go that direction, which is again possible. Something I'd like. I would like to see it because it's inspiring. It's spiritual. That that's the, the locket idea you put put in my head uh, there. That's great because that's what I would want more than what does this mean for the Star Wars story? What does it mean for these two characters I love? What does it mean for the character of, of Anakin, who we all have maybe complicated feelings for, including badass Darth Vader in a hallway? We like that as much as we uh, root against him at times. And so to have that kind of closure or understanding or insight, it would be potentially very beautiful. Uh, and, 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 and inspirational and, and really go to other areas of just our own lives in, in a Star Wars, uh, you know, in, in a Star Wars lesson. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's because we've we've lived with their stories. We get to see these two characters. Ahsoka and Luke are both characters who have had the opportunity uh, to easily fall to darkness mm-hmm. and have found a sort of inner strength where they are uh, they're two of the most compassionate light side users, right? Who, where they have found a way to say uh, compassion and connection matters, but I'm not going to let that take me down the dark path that some Jedi fear when it comes to compassion. I'm going to use that mm-hmm. as an absolute strength. So they're both kind of these, these titans of the light side, partially because they didn't make the mistake uh, that their, their mutual Anakin did. Yeah. Uh, but then within those, these great, beautiful, glowing characters, this is one of the biggest wounds, right, of of Ahsoka saying, you know, he fell and and what could have I done? And we get to see Luke's pain on on screen, really, in A New Hope mm-hmm. of I didn't know him. I don't know who he is. I want to be I want to be a Jedi like my father because I have this idea of who that is. But I didn't get to know who he truly was when he was, you know, a young man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that makes it extra powerful that I think we've lived with their their trauma. <laughs> as yeah. an audience so we as an audience would also like to see that moment of healing yeah. um i i do feel like we're going to see it in some form um yeah i 
I really agree with Ronan. I feel like Ahsoka's general vibe and the specific comments that she makes about Grogu's training and alluding to Anakin of that danger of attachment really does feel like, you know, wherever she's been, whatever she's been through, uh, that she is still wrestling with that that truth and, and trying to find answers. And I feel like Filoni, just just guessing, might not have underlined that if he wasn't planning to address it. Mm-hmm. You know, and the fact that there is an Ahsoka television show yeah. is, you know, it, it's really giving her room to to grow, right? Uh, there, there's a lot of discussion about the canon timeline. Uh, my interpretation, I could be totally full of hooey, is that Ahsoka's appearance in, in uh, The Mandalorian is before the the robes ready to get Sabine ready to go. Um, yeah. And it's giving her room to grow in, in her own series and, and needing to resolve things. Uh, yeah. Could you, I don't know the theme music they're going to have, obviously, but uh, Ahsoka chapter four, the campfire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And do you want to hear my, my uh, most wild uh, Star Wars uh, fan mm. headcanon? Wouldn't that be cool if? Um, so there's been that question of, okay, how much does Anakin make himself available and or the talent of the the uh, Force users in this realm? How does it work to reach Anakin, right? right. Uh, the Secrets of the Jedi book I love so much caused a stir when it first came out because Luke talks about, like, I have communed with uh, all of my mentors of the past, Yoda, Obi-Wan, my father. Um but it would be pretty amazing if the culmination of them talking and them both getting this piece of the locket that they need to see the best moments of Anakin, that that is what unlocks an ability for them to reach him in that in meditation together. That's the first time that Luke and Ahsoka can contact the spirit of Anakin, you know? Well, hot damn. Chapter five. <laughs> Anakin. Yeah. And he appears to Luke at return in the end of Return of the Jedi, but I've never got the the impression at the end of Return of the Jedi that Luke goes back to the party and's like, "Sorry, I got to take this uh, force call from my dad." And <laughs> yeah. they have a, you know, I feel like that's just a moment of like, "Thanks, son, I'm here." Yes. See you later. Yeah, I've all, yeah, I all, yeah, I'm with you on that for whatever reason. Even even as a kid, I just felt like, yeah, they're passing through. We're gonna go. Hey, we got our own party. We'll catch up. We'll catch up. <laughs> we'll be around when you really really need us. Yeah, love that. Love that. Yeah. Any other thoughts on this one, Ken? Uh, no, other than it, it's exciting, and 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 not to make it a, about my own personal journey, but I I just love I can look back and uh, and just be like, yeah. Sometimes you hold on to, uh, you know, those obstacles we put in front of ourselves to bring it all the way back to the beginning of today's <laughs> episode, uh, and how just like, oh, no, Ahsoka must be dead by this point on the timeline. Da, 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 da. Yeah, sure, that's that's fun, and we love that as Star Wars fans. But uh, uh, the wide open potential of the future of storytelling always wins out for me now. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and I will end by, uh, by the spirit of letting go too. If none of this ever happens, <laughs> uh, I will also let that go. And sometimes just having the theory, discussing the theory, uh, with you, Ken, and, uh, and with Ronan over the magic of the, uh, the podcast, not the pod race, the podcast, uh, just having the discussion as fans and thinking about it, that's a power too. And that's a gift too. And and I don't always need it to happen. And I don't always need to be, you know, quote unquote, right. It's fun sometimes to just have a theory and a what if, and it's fun if it happens, but it's still uh, fun if it doesn't. 
Yeah. So great questions, Ronan, Andrew, Jay from Nowhere, and Anthony. Those are our questions, Ken. Those are our questions, and this is where you can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Our uh, Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. Podcast is available on a lot of spots, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash center. Get that Speculate Responsibly t-shirt so you can join us in the movement to dream big, but take a breath. Uh, you can also support us directly at patreon.com slash center. You can find me at Catnapsock or my website, catnapsock.com. I'll be up in Seattle on the 24th doing comedy with Mark Ellis at the El, El Corazon Theater. Check it out. Tickets available on Mark's website. Uh, link uh, in my website as well. Uh, we always love to highlight uh, charities or causes or things we're behind. I'm still highlighting the Trevor Project here as uh, we uh, wrap up Pride Month. But Pride, as I always say, should keep going beyond a 30-day period. Check out the Trevor Project, uh, founded in 1998. It's been uh, providing great help in crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to uh, the members of the LGBTQ plus community, uh, specifically people under 25. Check them out at thetrevorproject.org. Joseph. That is a great thing to highlight, Ken. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all of my other comedy adventures. Uh, The thing I've been plugging for a couple of weeks is active now. Uh, There's a service called Vote Forward, where you write uh, letters encouraging people to use their power to vote. Uh, You don't uh, engage in, in how to vote, just to remind people to use their power and make people feel like they do have the power to make a difference with their vote. Uh, There is a project uh, up right now on Vote Forward. So if you're interested in writing some letters, you can go to their website. It is votefwd.org. Check it out. Check it out. Good stuff indeed. All right. We will be back uh, later in the week for the Rising Storm discussion. Uh, So uh, grab that audio book as soon as you can. Uh, We're going to dive on in. But we love having you around these parts, listening, uh, asking us the tough questions that get us dreaming about other characters talking around campfires. We'll see you next time. This is Force Center. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 